Chapter 36 The Soul Turning from Man to God Behold, now I have prepared my case. I know that I will be vindicated. Who will contend with me? For then I would be silent and die. Job 13, 18-19 This is the utterance of a justified man, and of one who knew that he was justified, and was prepared to defend his position as such against all accusers. Job's declaration here may primarily be the assertion of his innocence against the accusations of his friends, but we may use it for something beyond this. We do great injustice to the Old Testament saints and to their privileges, and no less so to the God who made them what they were, when we conceive of them as possessing an imperfect justification or an imperfect and uncertain knowledge of their justification. Paul's declaration was explicit on this point. I know whom I have believed, 2 Timothy 1.12. And yet it was not a jot more explicit than that of Job. I know that my Redeemer lives, Job 19.25. When Paul said, God is the one who justifies, who is the one who condemns, Romans 8.33-34, he was only speaking what Job had spoken ages before. I know that I will be vindicated. Who will contend with me? In connection with the words of our text, let us note the following passages. Psalm 32, 1 and 5, Isaiah 50, 7-9 and 51, 12, Romans 8, 31 and 34, and 1 John 1, 9. In all of these we have the same truth, the same tone, the same confidence, the same assurance, and the same source or channel for the flowing of all these into the soul. The old and the new are alike. We cannot say that the old is better or the new is better. Both are good and both are the same. In both we have the utterance of the one creed of the church and the voice of the one Spirit, the Spirit of adoption, through the one Redeemer. In our text, along with the context on both sides, we have the expression of an old saint's feelings in reference to man and to God. He has no hope from man, but he has all hope from God. One would have expected the opposite. Imperfect man might be expected to bear with an imperfect fellow man, but can a perfect God be expected to do this? Yet it is God that he falls back on. The infinitely holy, all-searching God is felt to be a surer refuge for a sinner than unholy, sin-excusing man. Such must be the spirit of our dealings with God. His holiness and His omniscience are not only no discouragements, but they are also the opposite. He knows the very worst in us, and He hates it, yet He pities us. We cannot tell Him worse of ourselves than He already knows. And is this not encouragement? Man's narrow heart makes us despair of him. God's infinite heart gives us hope. Have we not often been comforted with the thought that God knows us fully? Let us then notice the feelings or attitude of a saint towards God. 1. It is confidence. I know that I will be vindicated. It is no mere hope or possibility. It is a certainty. It is of this that Paul speaks, for we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast 
the beginning of our assurance firm. Hebrews 3.14 This was the attitude of Old Testament saints, and much more that of New Testament saints. It is the feeling of the child. It is simple trustfulness for everything, beginning with pardon. 2. It is confidence as a sinner. Job speaks as a sinner, simply as such, not as a better man than others. He goes to God simply as such, and he trusts as such. He realizes this blessed truth that a man's evil is no reason for distrusting God. When Adam fled from God, he did not know this. He thought that his sin was a reason for distrusting and flying from God, until God taught him differently and showed him what grace was. 3. It is confidence arising from God's character alone. He has looked into the face of God and learned there that a sinner may trust Him just because of what He is. Indeed, that a sinner can only glorify Him by trusting Him because of what He is. It is not only because of His grace that He trusts, but also because of His holiness and power. For these are no longer against the sinner, but are on His side. Everything in God's character has, by the cross of Christ, been turned into a reason for trusting Him. The more a man knows of Him, the more he trusts. Trust is the natural and inseparable response of the soul to the divine revelation of the character of God. It's not what man sees in himself, his good deeds or good feelings, his graces, his repentance, his regeneration, or his faith, but what he sees in God that calls out confidence. 4. It is confidence of personal justification. I know that I will be vindicated. It is no vague confidence in some unknown God, some sentimental trust in God's universal fatherhood, or mankind's universal sonship. It is of personal justification that he speaks. Thus, he is acknowledging personal condemnation in the first place, and then, as the result of a judicial act, personal justification. It is of this that the whole Bible speaks. It is this that the cross seals to us. This is not a state in which we are born, but into which we come by believing in Him who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Do you know this? Is this the beginning of your religion, the starting point of your heavenward course? And five, it is confidence in spite of all accusers. From verse 20 to verse 27, Job is pleading with God confessing sin and uttering confidence. In verse 28, and in the next chapter, he turns to man as his accuser. Who is he? A man that will die. What do his accusations matter? Let the whole world condemn. What does that matter? Will this shake confidence resting on the word and name of God? Let Satan and conscience accuse. Will they shake a confidence that comes from above? If their charges are all true, what about this? Who is the one who condemns? Romans 8.34. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? Romans 8.33. We plead guilty to the accusations, but not with less confidence do we claim an acquittal from the judge, simply on the ground of what our surety has done.